The cost of youth soccer, the industry, has just gotten completely out of control. Why are kids on certain teams and how they found themselves there? And is it indeed the best situation for them to develop? There really seems to be a lack of inclusion. I'd love to see a club just be honest and right. say that. <laughs> right, so, right. But you no. know all that BS? Forget that. We're not saying it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're just right. play to win. So it's the Ranting Soccer Dad podcast for October 9th, 2018. I'm your host, Bo Dewar, and I am very tired today because I refed or assistant refed six games this weekend. On Saturday, it was ref, coach, ref, coach, and the games were both small-sided games. One was my first opportunity centering a game, which was a U10 game did okay apart from the fact that I stuck the coin for the coin toss in the same pocket as my little notebook with which I record the goals and cards. Not that they're going to be cards in the U10 rec game. I've literally never seen it at that level, but we carry them anyway. But the coin surely popped out at some point when I was using the notebook and I did not have it after the game. I was told that somebody found it. It's not anyway, not a big deal. I'm out 50 cents, so it's a half dollar. Then I was assistant ref for another small-sided game, U12s, U11s. And the funny thing about that game, now put a pin in this, was that at one point the ball hit the corner flag and came back in. And the U11 player, doing what he thought was the rule, reached down and picked up the ball to take the throw in or set down for a corner kick. And I had to raise the flag and explain to the slightly astonished boy that no, when the ball hits the corner flag, it is still in play. It has to go out over a line. It's not, you don't just hit the corner flag. Just the same as if you hit the goal post. You don't just say, oh, well, the ball was on its way out until it hit this thing, and there it goes. No, if it hits the post and comes back out, everyone pounces on it. If it hits the corner flag, it should be the same way. So put a pin in that because it's going to be important for Sunday when I reft a series of pretty high-level girls games. In fact, I think one of the teams that I was working for was actually a development academy team. If not, it's the B team for the development academy, and they very poorly labeled them. Uh, they certainly think they're a development academy team according to the name of the team. So that one also had the most abrasive parents that I've run into so far, and I had the misfortune of being the AR2, which meant I was right there next to the parents. Now, they generally weren't mad at me uh, but they were mad at the center ref. And obviously they didn't respect her because she was a fairly young woman. If only they knew her playing background. If only they knew that all these kids out there playing in this elite tournament, they should be aspiring to be her. And it's a very lofty aspiration. Let's just put it that way. I'm not going to give her any identifying features or anything like that, but... Certainly a fantastic player, and I thought she did a fine job as the ref, and these parents did not. But the funniest thing that occurred to me during this session, and really gets to the point here, and the headline that hopefully brought you in, 
was that at one point during the game, while they were complaining, I heard behind me, and this is such an important game. And my immediate thought was, well, it can't be that important if they have me working it. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, but it, it hints at the basic problem, which is that you may hear in the abstract that we have a shortage of refs, that kids who start refing within a year or two, they're chased out uh, by abuse from the sidelines. There's actually more to it than that. I, I see a lot of refs uh, quit in in our rec league, and they're not being abused in our rec league. The worst person they have to deal with is probably me. <laughs> which I'm not proud of, and I think I've started to uh, perhaps change my behavior a little bit now that I've been in yellow, uh, which to some extent was the point, was to teach me a lesson. <laughs> and I I think the lesson has been learned um, in idiosyncratic ways, because there are so many things that I've learned that I didn't expect to learn. I thought, well, I'll, I'll learn just how hard it is to call fouls. Well, it's it's not that calling fouls is the hard part and I still have a bit of a difficult time with refs who let a clear mugging go and I, I do see too much of that I see too much of it in the games that I'm coaching and I see too much of it in other games that I see uh, there's there's too much that's let go now there there are two things that haven't occurred to me that are more complicated than I thought one is signaling possession and this caught up with me in my third game of the day on Sunday where I was watching these two women, or uh, girls, because they were U14s or U13s, uh, jostling for position. They, they, at some point, they somehow wound up with their arms sort of locked around each other. And I was just sort of staring at this right in front of me, trying to figure out which way the foul went because this, this certainly was not legal. Someone was holding someone, but who? It was really hard to tell. In the process of watching them, I lost track of the ball as it went out of play somewhere to my right. And I didn't know. Goal kick, throw in, corner kick, I honestly didn't know. Uh, the center bailed me out on that one. And I, it, it woke me up. This was in the first two minutes of the game. And the center was this older, experienced ref <laughs> maybe would have conveyed more authority if he'd been running the line instead of me during that first game. Uh, but again, I wasn't the one they were they were mad at in that game, uh, except for one play we'll get back to. Remember, told you to put a pin in something. So this older ref, I thought, oh no, I've made a really bad impression on this guy. Fortunately, I, I sorted things out and didn't have any more uh, difficult calls after that. Uh, called a couple of you know, had a couple of good looks at offside calls, and I, it, in a way, it's kind of gratifying when someone yells offside, and you're right on the line, and you see, and you go, no, it's not. Uh, it reassures you that you're doing something valuable, <laughs> the, that if it were left up to the coaches, that, you know, every every breakaway would be offside, and it's not. In fact, there was a, a breakaway that decided the second game of the day, and I had a good, clear look at it. The right back kept her on side. This girl sprinted down the middle, rounded the keeper, and scored from a tough angle. It was a terrific shot in an otherwise you know, not, not so great game. So the reason I asked you to put a pin 
in the corner flag incident was because it came up again with the parents of this very elite team. I believe they are the top-ranked team in their state. Again, it's U13. It's early. But still, very elite. These kids have certainly been playing for a while. And there's the one call where they disagreed with me, the, the parents did, because I ruled that the ball had gone out of play, and they said it hadn't. Uh, I said it went out of play, and then someone played it back in, and so I had my flag up for you know the throw-in. The ball rolled down and hit the corner flag, came back out onto the field, and one of the parents said, okay, corner kick. No. Even if the ball hadn't gone out of play, you know, and, and I hadn't raised my flag, if it had gone out of play earlier, it would have still been in play after it hit the corner flag, and it just boggled my mind. And I'm still new enough that I go back and I go back and look up after the game. Wait a minute. It really is still in play, right? I haven't lost my mind. Because what else would you call? If it hits the corner flag, is it a goal kicker or a corner, is corner kick? Throw in? What would you call? If you didn't have a corner flag and it just went, rolled over a cone, then you're in trouble and you actually have to make a decision uh, and do the best you can. Uh, but at this level, you're going to have corner flags or else you're going to have trouble. So it's, that surprised me. And also, the parents behind me who said, this is such an important game. I would argue that at U13, there aren't that many important games. But that's something that I think parents don't understand, and I can't blame them for this. Because I felt this way too. This is one of the things that I have learned that I did not expect to learn in making the parent-to-referee transition is that the assigners can't be that choosy. They simply don't have that many options. I get emails throughout the week. I've had to set up a Gmail filter to run them into a folder because otherwise they would overwhelm my inbox because the assigners are sending these things out multiple times a day Throughout the week, on Monday, you're starting to get emails for the games that are available Saturday and Sunday. And there are a ton. My rec league is actually a little bit better than that because we have about as many refs as we need to cover things. This past week, there were a few games that were sort of still up in the air. The odd thing is that two of the games I've coached recently have been sort of the last ones to go. And I've sort of wondered, that it, it, it's not me, is it? Hope not. I don't think I have any sort of reputation. Uh, I and I mean I'm hard on myself. I get really mad. There was a game earlier this season. It was two to two, and it was the third week of the season. My team was zero and two, and this was going to be their first result. I was really hoping it'd be a win. There were only a couple minutes left. We had a play that was ruled offside. And from my vantage point, my player was still in his own half, and I just went, no, he was in his own half. And I immediately felt awful. I apologized to the AR after the game and said, hey, I'm sorry. I, I saw him and thought he was in his own half, but I was probably wrong. That's what I said. I think I was right, but I wanted to apologize to, to the ref because th those are tough calls, and 
it leads to another thing that I've learned as being an AR, which is that you can get caught looking between possession and the offside line. It, it's most difficult when there's a play right in front of you, then you know the ball's about to go out. And so you're trying to keep an eye on who plays it out because it, there were several times in one game in which I saw a deflection that the center ref did not see. The center ref actually signaled one way, and I raised my flag, and I rubbed my hand off my leg to say, nope, deflection. Not one that he could see. And he, he saw me and saw me give the deflection thing, and he, he went my way. It was good teamwork. So the center is often counting on the AR to make that call if it's right in front of the AR. But sometimes you sit there watching this play, and all of a sudden, boom, the attacking player sends it to the middle, and you go, oh, wait, where was the second-to-last defender when that ball was played? So the assistant ref is a tougher job than it seems. And that's, I think that frightens a few people. I think some people leave just because it's hard. You know, it, it, it seems so much simpler when you're on the sideline. And you, you never get possession calls wrong on the sideline. And because you're only looking at that. If you're a coach and you see the ball ping off another player, that's all you were looking at. You weren't looking at the line to see where the second to last defender was. The AR may have tried to glance over to say, oh, second to last defender just moved up or moved back, and so I need to keep up. I need to move. Oh, no, the ball just went out, and I didn't see it. So perhaps those decisions are making it more difficult, and that's why we have such an important game. And I'm your assistant ref in my first season, the big two months of experience. I, fortunately, I'm fairly knowledgeable about the game. I like to think that I would that I did a better job than a 14-year-old or 15-year-old would have done. Certainly a 15-year-old would have freaked out dealing with these parents. And I didn't say much to him. I did say to the, to the one guy when, there was, uh, when the ball went the other way, I said, FYI, the corner flag is still in play. I didn't say, and how did you not know that after raising a kid to play at this high level? You're telling me it's an important game and you don't know the laws. You don't even know something simple like that. That doesn't surprise me because I went to the U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships a few years ago and saw parents who had no idea. They didn't understand offside. They didn't know what was a foul and what wasn't. Now, then again, you're always going to see if uh, whenever someone makes contact with your team's player, you're going to think it's a foul. Whenever your team's player makes contact with someone else, you're not. That That's part of it. That's part of being a parent. There are surely several times uh, in which I've thought something was a foul that wasn't, and that's fair enough. But the staggering ignorance of things is really... And, of course, it doesn't help. I think a lot of commentators don't understand it. And I wish I remember the specific example. There was an example recently in a Premier League game. The commentators were the great Martin Tyler... I fell in love with Martin Tyler's voice more than 20 years ago when all you could see of soccer was this English Premier League highlight package that you would get on various 
you know, regional affiliates. They would just syndicate it and the regional affiliate would pick it up and we would, it would play like Monday at two o'clock on my local affiliate. And so I'd always set my VCR, which is the technology of the day to record it. And whenever they got to the game with Martin Tyler, I thought, oh, this is going to be good. But Martin Tyler was with another announcer and they completely botched it. Just this interpretation of the laws they just didn't get. And you have commentators who just don't understand uh, handling. By the way, technically it is handling if it is an infraction. It is handling of the ball. Handball doesn't really exist. And I actually had a ref once explain, handball is not infringement because that's the ball hits your hand. Handling, where you actually handle the ball is the infraction. But there there's some commentators who simply don't understand it and think, oh, well, you know, it, that's obviously handling because uh, of this and this, and they don't understand that. And perhaps one of the most frustrating things for me is when you have two players near the ball, an attacking, attacking player and defender, and the attacking player falls. And the referee calls nothing. And the announcers go ballistic. They say, well, if it wasn't a foul, then it had to be, altogether now, a dive. They forget that even the best athletes in the world are going to fall down on occasion, particularly when they're trying something difficult, particularly when they're trying something in traffic. You know, you, you try to get around somebody and your feet just don't cooperate and you fall. Or you might fall from legitimate contact. You might have just a run-of-the-mill shoulder-to-shoulder thing. Uh, the defender bumps into the attacker just as he's trying to pivot and down he goes. But the contact was perfectly legal. Too many commentators don't know that. And that ignorance filters down to these parents. Maybe these parents really do watch a ton of soccer. I, I always get the impression when I talk with parents and when I listen to parents that they don't watch a lot of soccer. That they don't know who anyone is other than the people on whichever national team they're hoping to replace. You know, I rarely see parents show up in replica jerseys. I'd love to see that, you know, to, to see a parent show up in Barcelona or Arsenal or something obscure. I'd love to see someone show up in a Sheffield United jersey. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you have so much more respect for a parent if you saw them, you know, show a depth of interest in this game? But no, you don't see that. What you see are parents who, in some cases, have legitimate misunderstandings. It's impossible to convey to a parent just how short of refs we are and how sorry. But that tournament game that is one of 200 tournament games in the various tournaments going on in a couple of counties, how it's tough to cover all of them with the available number of refs. Again, I did four games, which meant I got home and my legs felt like guitar strings. They were just so tight. I could barely, I, my steps were probably about six inches each. I was moving roughly like a caterpillar. I had a really tough time with stairs. 
I iced various things. It, it was probably the first time in my life I've ever wanted to take an ice bath. Normally I see an ice bath and think, boy, that's what separates elite athletes from me. Not everything else, not the skill, not the not how good a shape they're in, but the fact that they willingly dunk their own bodies in ice. I think I could not possibly do that. <laughs> so, uh, but after all this, I understood. I really wanted to dunk my legs in ice and then a hot tub. Something just to make them feel something other than what they were feeling at the time. Um, because I was running on turf, and that, uh, this actually started to make me more sympathetic toward the turf versus grass argument, too. Uh, again, with young players playing U13 and so forth, it's probably not much of an issue. But for old refs like me, oh boy. And one of those fields was rock hard. The turf had completely worn away, and there wasn't even that much infill, it seemed like. You know, normally... You can come away from a turf game and you're just flicking off rubber crumbs all the time. This one, I felt like all the rubber crumbs were gone along with the green strands. And so you just had this sort of black surface of indeterminate composition just whacking away at your legs like a hammer. And so the reason I was doing four games was because they needed that many people. I did two games in the morning. I came home, showered, ate, went out to a different field, ran two games, both of which went to penalty kicks, which, you know, because your weekend's not complete until you see a 13-year-old girl crying because she failed to make the penalty save. That's not fun. And then coming home, showering again, and just icing everything. It's Tuesday now, and I've recovered, but boy, Monday was rough. So that's the thing to get across from here. There are all sorts of funny anecdotes that you're going to hear from refing. There's a great big soccer thread that's basically stuff I heard this weekend. And it's refs laughing about either the ignorance or the just the bias of, of fans and coaches and so forth. And, and yeah, I think these refs understand that people are going to get upset in the moment, in the heat of the moment of a, of a game. That's understandable. It's just that it, it's when people say things that don't make any sense that I think people start to flip out a bit. But again, the, the point here, we need more refs. If you have some free time on weekends, sign up. Go through the training. The training's kind of irritating, frankly, because they ask you all these silly trick questions. Uh, you do also learn, by the way, that restart laws make no sense. Ask me sometime about the chart of penalty kick restarts and sanctions depending on whether one team or the other encroached. In fact, a referee got that wrong recently in a U.S. women's national team game. So we're talking pretty high level. That's one where you say, hey, this is an important game. Uh, granted, it was a friendly, but it was th these were national teams, including the number one ranked national team in the world. And again, the ref got that wrong. And it's because it's ridiculously complicated. So between 
those complicated scenarios and the way they ask questions. It stands along the lines of if an attacker and defender are going for the ball in the attacking half and the defending team's dog runs out to the field and kicks the ball away from the attacker, tripping the attacker in the process, uh, what is the correct restart? I suppose in that case the answer would be a drop ball because uh, the dog is considered an outside agent. But Again, <laughs> that doesn't really help you. It doesn't help you with the reality of what you're trying to do. But go through that training anyway, because you will learn some things. You will learn, certainly, for one thing, you will learn some things that those parents don't know and those commentators don't know. And you will understand the game better for having done that. That's one benefit. The other benefit is that maybe... If you're the parent of an elite player and you're in an important game or what you consider to be an important game, then you'll have the refs that you want or at least the refs that you deserve or at least refs with the experience to turn around to you and say, shut the hell up, which technically they shouldn't. They should go through the coach and the coach should come over it, anyway more stuff that you learn as a ref that maybe common sense prevails. We actually did wind up warning the parents. The center ref was on her way over, and I turned and said, you're one step away. May not have been the best way to handle it, but it kind of worked. Other ranting soccer dad stuff of note, uh, there, there is sort of an announcement coming up soon about something that I'm doing. Uh, a long-term thing that I'm doing. And it means I'm going to redesign the site and refocus things because I'm going to have other stuff going on. I'm quite excited about it. I'm sure you can't tell from my voice, uh, but I am quite excited about this. Uh, you should know about it in a couple of days. And at that point, I'll reveal it, and I will have a somewhat redesigned site. So until then, rant on. Thank you so much for listening to the Ranting Soccer Dad podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or Stitcher or whatever you use. Whatever you use to get here, please use it again to subscribe us or like us or rate us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anyone who is a soccer parent at any level. Uh, that we're doing this. I will also be working on the Ranting Soccer Dad Guide. There are some parts on the Ranting Soccer Dad site. Please visit rantingsoccerdad.com to get all the latest information about the things I'm doing. Until then, rant on.